Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. All right, the mass shootings. They continue unabated in the United States. Some 40 already in 2023. And we're not fully through January yet. Uh, Christian Haney joins us, Vice President of Policy and Programs at Brady United. That's United Against Gun Violence. It's one of the most influential national anti-gun violence, anti-crime organizations in the United States. Now, you may recall, and if you were around in the 80s, you do, uh, Jim Brady uh, was a gun owner and President Ronald Reagan's press secretary and survived a gunshot to his head during an assassination attempt on President Reagan. Mr. Brady and his wife, Sarah, worked with Republicans and Democrats to pass the bipartisan Brady Bill, which ensured background checks were carried out on gun sales in the United States. Today, Brady continues to work with gun owners and non-gun owners to end America's gun violence epidemic. So Christian Hind, Hindy rather, joins us, Vice President of Policy and Programs at Brady United. Mr. Hindy's own family has been impacted by gun violence. On Memorial Day 2005, his mother was killed while his father survived multiple gunshots by a man with a history of violence. Christian, thank you very much for joining us, and condolences on your loss under such terrible circumstances. Thank you so much for, for having me today. Thank you for uh, having this conversation, and, and I really appreciate uh, uh, you know those condolences. I think you know for so many of us in this work, it's what fuels us to prevent families from knowing the the pain and the trauma that we continue to live through because of uh, the way that gun violence has impacted our lives. So thank you very much for having me. You're you're more than welcome. 40 40 cases of mass shootings already in 2023 in the United States. Is the issue about proliferation of guns in the U.S., or is it about people who have the right to purchase and carry a firearm without any or with very little background information required? Yeah, I mean, it's probably the most important question, right? Why is it that... uh, America experiences gun violence in a way that no other industrialized country um, experiences or, or frankly, accepts. Um, uh, and, and the answer is the unfettered access to weapons that uh, makes you, America a unique place to live. Um, you know, when, when our shooting happened to us, we started peeling back the layers of the onion, trying to understand how is it that uh, my parents could be shot in, in the kind of incident where they where they were. And, and what we found was our loop, the, the loopholes that we have in our legal code that allow people to, to purchase weapons, people who are at risk of dangerous behavior, we just don't do anything to prevent that from happening. So uh, until we do, no community in this country can, can feel safe from the scourge of gun violence until we do something proactive about that. Uh, you have on uh, on your website, there are some really compelling statistics when it comes to the commission of crimes with a gun. Statistics on daily gun violence in America. Every day, 321 people are shot in the United States. Among those, 111 people are shot and killed. 210 survive gunshot injuries. 95 are intentionally shot by someone else and survive. 42 are murdered. 65 die from gun suicide. 10 survive an attempted gun suicide, one is killed unintentionally, 90 are shot unintentionally and survive, one is killed by legal intervention, and it goes on and it goes on. Um, How do you put those statistics 
to use. How do you how do you put that to use? Um, and and I, I'm going to pull the Second Amendment, I guess, into the into this question, Christian. Where does the Second Amendment fit, and what does the Second Amendment permit? Right. Um, well, I mean, I think the the statistics that you mentioned are are really important. I think, and and not only is it horrific to think of the level to which people are killed with guns, um, but also the fact that two to three times as many are are injured uh, with firearms every single day and have to live with those injuries and sometimes go on to live long lives and ultimately succumb to those wounds. You know, Jim Brady is a perfect example of someone who. Uh, you know, after fighting hard for, for gun violence prevention and, and uh, working over the course of many years to have uh, incredible strides so families don't have to know what, what he had been through, uh, his death was ultimately uh, ruled a homicide. Um, and, and, you know, we have a, a country full of, of a generation of people who are, who are living like this. I, you know, and then I'll just say it's important to quantify the, the macro uh, impact but we also need to think about what gun violence looks like to every community. You know, for me, gun violence isn't necessarily the fact that more than a hundred, you know, thousand people are are going to be impacted uh, this next year by guns. It's it's the fact that on my wedding day, my mom wasn't there. Uh, my wife will never have the opportunity to meet her. She'll never know the joys of being a grandmother um, because a man with a history of violence had access to that weapon. So. Uh, you know, I think in terms of how do we think about it, we need to think about how the individuals uh, are, are impacted and those around them. Um, and, and lastly, you know, nothing that we're advocating for here is at odds with the Second Amendment. Um, you know, the Second Amendment itself is, you know, the right, it, it's a singular right, a right to bear arms. Um, there's a lot of history around the Second Amendment, but at the end of the day, a universal background check requiring background checks on all gun sales. Uh, is is not at odds with that uh, philosophy of a of, of the Second Amendment um, or the the legal history. If you you know a ban on uh, assault weapons, you know weapons that are inherently more dangerous because of tactical features um, that were designed for warfare, uh, there is no constitutional protection for civilian access to these weapons. So if you start to really talk about you know how do we prevent domestic abusers from getting access to guns or how do we prevent firearm suicide by limiting access to individuals in crisis? What we find is that more and more and more people on both sides of the aisle, gun owners and non-gun owners alike, agree overwhelmingly on all of these issues, and we just got to get them passed. You're not trying to disarm Americans. You just said that the Second Amendment is the Second Amendment. You uh, you want to have universal background checks before someone is permitted to uh, purchase a firearm, specific kind of firearm or any any kind of firearm. Well, we need we need background checks when people are purchasing firearms in general. I, mean, right. I think we talk about the unique ability for assault weapons to um, uh, just decimate uh, a, a community and, and, and all the places where these shootings are taking place because of that increased lethality. You know, it makes these mass casualty shootings just so much more horrific. Um, but we also have to recognize the fact that handguns themselves and access to handguns are are what drives the the now more than 40,000 people. In 2021, we just got new CDC data that, that told us that uh, 48,830 people in the U.S. 
uh, you know, were killed by firearms in, in 2021. I mean, these are horrific and staggering numbers, and, and, and the large part of them are handguns. Uh, and, 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 and a simple background check, on average, more than 90% of the time, it takes less than two minutes. Um, these aren't complicated solutions. Um, the problem is, is that if they're not uniformly uh, put into uh, the code, uh, then we can't have the kind of meaningful impact we need to have for, for what is really a horrific public health epidemic. Is this a political issue in the United States primarily or, or not so much? In this country, there's now um, an effort underway. The government says it's not happening. Gun owners say it is. The, the government is trying to disarm, take away uh, rifles and shotguns from uh, from licensed Canadian gun owners who have to satisfy the state in order to get a license. You have to pass, a, first of all, you, they do a background check on you and you have to provide all sorts of personal information, professional information as well. And then you have to pass a test and you have to, the pass mark is 80%. And it's not simple. I've done it. Um, so we, we approach things very differently in Canada. And there is a feeling here that it's a political issue. Is it a political issue in the United States or not? I think that's that's exactly right, and I and I would even go as far as to say that it's 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 a political issue because it's such a small minority of people that are obstructing the kind of progress that would save lives. I mean, once again, I I work with and and, and friends with and and myself uh, enjoy going out target shooting and and clay shooting and and. You know, there is a number of gun owners that that are a part of this, and and ultimately that are fighting and working every day for the same solutions that that I am. At the end of the day, what's what's preventing uh, the kind of progress that we need is a is a very small number of people that know how to utilize uh, the the democratic structures and and to utilize things like the procedural filibuster, a, a tool that allows. A, a small minority of, of senators to ensure that the kinds of policies that it, that has a majority support, even in the Senate, uh, can't even be brought to the floor for a vote. So, you know, I think that there is misinformation that's out there. Um, you know, that 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 misidentifies and lies about what the what the bills themselves would do or accomplish. But most Americans overall, they get this issue. They support it. And, and it's special interest groups that are utilizing uh, these structures to prevent the kind of progress that would that would create the change we need. Yeah, and you've had 40, let's go back to that, 40 mass shootings already in the United States in the first 29 days of the year, first 29 days of January. How far do you think you can go, uh, Christian, in, to achieve and accomplish what you're attempting to achieve and accomplish? Because you're not looking to take people's firearms away from them. You want a universal background check. And do you want certain firearms not to be available to the general public as well? Is that an objective? I think that the overall objective around um, the specific uh, types of weapons that are designed to have increased lethality is additional regulation, right? In, the, in, the, in this country, for instance, um, there is something called the National Firearms Act where uh, and, and as well as there has been a ban on fully automatic weapons um, for, uh, you know, uh, almost 100 years now at this point. It was, it was resulting from a horrific massacre that happened on Valentine's Day 
um, uh, and, and on the heels of, of uh, the popularity use of, of uh, weapons like the Tommy gun. Um, and, and eventually when the National Firearms Act was passed, these weapons had additional regulations where you have to register them, you have to be fingerprinted, you have to uh, do a host of, of additional screening um, and uh, because of this additional regulation, these weapons are not used in the shootings that we see day in and day out. I think that there is likely a, a common ground. I think we have to be very mindful about what uh, kinds of weapons uh, civilians can access. The way that we have uh, as a country uh, since our initial founding. So. Um, there is particular uh, uh, aspects to, to firearms uh, ownership that, that we want to talk about, but it usually has to do with um, uh, regulation overall. Uh, and then your broader question, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there, but at some point we need to address gun violence in all of its forms, right? The, the kinds of staggering numbers that you mentioned earlier, uh, it is telling the story of a horrific public health epidemic. And, and that is not a easy, there's not a single solution for, for what we're facing. Uh, what it actually is is a really complex, comprehensive solution that we're in need of where we're addressing gun violence in all of its forms to deal with, the, you know, firearm suicide. We have to have policies that specifically deal with firearm suicide. For domestic violence uh, homicides, we have to have policies that protect uh, victims of domestic violence and that are, that are targeted and, and, and very intentional. Uh, for community violence, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, we have got to really address those in ways that the research shows will have an impact in the types of violence. And and, and so we, we, there's a number of things that we need to do in order to meaningfully address the epidemic that we have today. So, so, so how does the American public respond to the news, to the information, that there have been 40 mass shootings in the first 29 days of 2023? How does the American public react and respond to that? Look, I think the American people are fed up. I, and, and, and once again, I don't, I don't think that that's just one party that is uh, frustrated and, and horrified and, and upset. I think that Americans of all walks of life and, and all political affiliations, whether or not they own a gun or otherwise, are horrified with the state of affairs with gun violence in America, which is why um, even in this last Congress, and there was such a, a, a meaningful step forward in in the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, which is one of the you know more significant bills that Congress has passed, and and while it's still minor in the steps that um, it took, this is a bill that the NRA opposed. This is a bill that the NSSF opposed, and still uh, you had a number of Republicans voting for policies that they have obstructed for 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 many years. Republican leadership in in the U.S. Senate, to be specific, that is because constituents were calling outrage. That's because. Republicans and gun owners in district were calling those senators and saying, you have got to do something. And as a result, they were able to do something and, and, and they were able to find out the sky didn't fall. Um, lives are going to be saved because of that policy and, and, and they are still, you know, they're here in Washington doing their job. So my hope is, is that there's long-term hope on the horizon uh, to accomplish more, uh, to pass more significant policies so that we can continue this progress and, and hopefully one day, um, I don't have to do this work because it's 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 not work that that I want to be have to do my whole life. Yeah, we have thirty seconds. Uh, who has the final say on gun laws? Is it federal or state authorities? 
look, the, the federal government sets the, the floor and, and the states can go beyond that. But as we saw in California, a state where you're 40% less likely to be shot because of all the work they've done, uh, they're still beholden to the weakest gun laws near them. So they need to work together, and, but the federal government needs to raise that, that, that minimum. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.